morning and welcome to each of you this morning. Wishing you God's grace and peace and I trust that you can experience that here this morning and throughout life. We have the privilege to come together today and I was reminded of what the psalmist said. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so I wonder, are you glad this morning to be in God's house? Is that your testimony? And I, my prayer is that our time could be an inspiration and blessing together this morning. And I appreciated that uh, the last song we sang was about, I need the prayers of those I love. And uh, I do feel like I need that this morning. I need your prayers, and I want to do likewise. I've been going through the book of 1 Peter, and this morning we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, and I invite you to turn your Bibles there. I realize that Marcus read there from Ezekiel, but uh, we're looking here at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And Peter was writing to the churches of Asia, and as we've seen a number of times in, in, in the series of messages that I've been going through, of how often suffering comes on the scene and how much he talks about that over and over again, about suffering and Christ being an example through his suffering. And, he, and then he gives, gives them also a lot of instruction on living and living in the spirit and living out who they are and who God has created them to be. And then you come to chapter 5 here, and it, and it sort of switches gears, and he addresses another group of people. And as I looked at this, I kind of grappled with what to do with this. Should I just make a few comments and uh, move through this? Or how does this pertain to us today? But as I thought of this, I realized how significant this is for us today. Because I asked the question, what makes for a healthy church? The title of the message is Shepherding Under the Chief Shepherd. And you may wonder, how is that going to apply to you today? And that is one of the reasons why I I guess I would say I grappled with this and what to do with this passage. Because in a way, it may seem like it's a message more for an ordination or at the annual minister's meeting. And in fact, this past spring, this is the passage that was used for the theme there at the minister's meeting. But the, the scripture does teach us how the church should function and the responsibilities of the leaders. And so in some ways, it seems like this message is for myself and maybe for those of us on the pastoral team. But I also think it can pertain to each one of us because we all have leadership responsibilities. Whether you are a father, a mother, a teacher, a youth or a child, you have some kind of responsibilities. And so in that way, I believe this can pertain to each one of us. And I trust that we can learn together. And I think we also need to be aware of where this nation, where our nation is heading. We are at a point in time when, for the most part, 
it is still socially accepted to be a Christian. But I don't know that how long that will always be that way. It seems like we're headed in a direction where gospel proclaiming and, and honoring, Christ-honoring churches are no longer being viewed as places of hope, but they're being viewed as threats to freedom and to how society wants to live. And I think we're, it seems like we're heading that direction more and more. We're, we're more being viewed as a threat to the freedom and how people want to live. So I believe it's important that we need, we need to know where we stand and what we believe. So that when we face those times, if we ever face those times, that we know what the truth is and the importance of standing true. And so the things that I have to say today can also, I consider to be a, an accountability to you in what our responsibilities are as leaders or as pastors and what you should expect from your, from your pastors. You know, I often preach, we, as pastors, we, we preach and we feel like we're preaching to you. So somewhat today I feel like I'm preaching to myself and to my co-ministers here. And I, and I consider it a tremendous blessing serving with them on this team. And as leaders, as for anyone, there is, there is a sin that we always deal with, a sin problem. And one of those is pride that often gets in the way and causes problems. And so no matter where you're at in life, it takes humility. Marcus read from Ezekiel 34, and there you can see how the shepherds neglected to fulfill their responsibilities and the devastation this brought to the people, to God's people. And then he also gives the picture of a shepherd that is leading, that is caring, that is protecting his sheep, his flock. And ultimately, we look to the chief shepherd. So I'm going to read to you from our text here in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. That's as far as I'm going to read. And there are five things that I want us to notice here in this passage today. And they are, what is an elder? Then also the pastor's rule and responsibilities. The third thing is the required motives of a pastor, and also the reward. And the fifth thing, the layperson's responsibility. And so by God's grace, I want to go through this and, and expound on this, and I do ask for your continued prayers this morning. And you will have opportunity. If I say anything, I want you, anything that is not scriptural, 
I want you to express that also. Peter puts himself on the same level here as the elders. So first of all, we're going to look at what is an elder. Peter identifies himself as, a, as, a, as an elder. He says, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. And I find that fascinating that Peter does that. Peter was an apostle. He was one of the disciples. He was one of the core three, you would say. It was Peter, James, and John. They were kind of the core three in, of the disciples. But Peter here simply identifies himself as an elder, like one of them. He didn't hold himself up to being this apostle or some great person, but simply as one of them. We know that Peter was an outspoken man, and yet he identifies himself as an elder, as one of them. And he also then goes on to say that, that he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Peter witnessed that. He saw firsthand the sufferings of Christ and how that, and he brings this thing of it, uh, together of how that suffering and glory are linked together. Suffering and, Lord, and glory are linked. Jesus modeled that for us through his suffering. And then he ascended into heaven where he sat down at the right hand of the Father and was given the name that is above every name. Suffering always precedes glory. And so I, that can be something for us to think about as we go through life. We face suffering, but glory is coming. Peter writes to them as a fellow elder and a fellow sufferer and he reminds them that they are people who suffer knowing that glory is coming. As you read the New Testament, you will see the words elder and overseer and deacon and shepherd used a number of times. In fact, in studying this, I was, I was amazed and somewhat surprised how often that word is used in the scripture and how often it is mentioned and, and how it is, gives description of who these people are and their responsibilities. And the word elder is often used in the New Testament to, to refer to those who had leadership positions in the church. The churches in Jerusalem had elders, and you can see that throughout the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in all the churches that they visited in their first missionary journey. And you have Luke and Paul and Peter and James, all of them mention elders. And so it's not just something that we came up with today in having elders. This is something that God ordained in the early church. And he, this is something God directed through his spirit and was telling them to ordain elders. This was their responsibility to do that. So it was all the churches. It was not just one church. It was all the churches. So an elder is a person, an elder or a pastor. And I'll, I'll use those words um, interchangeably. Basically, they mean the same thing. An elder is a person who has spiritual authority in the church. An elder is one who pastors and shepherds the flock. And these words are used, again, a number of times in the scriptures, and they basically mean one and of the same thing, though each one has a literal different rule. 
in order for any organization to function, there needs to be leadership. Any sizable business will have a C, they will have a CEO, and then they will have, then there's others that sort of are under them, but they're all on the same team and they're working toward the same thing, but there is one taking leadership. Someone needs to take the initiative. We have our different committees, and that's a tremendous blessing to the church. We have, on a committee, you often have a chairman and you have a secretary and a treasurer. They're all on the same team. They're all working toward the same goal. They have their different rules. And so it's, there needs to be someone that takes the initiative in order to, for something to function well. In our settings, we use the terms bishop and deacon and minister or pastors. Even though we're all part of one team, we have different rules on the team. Bishop means overseer. A deacon is one who ministers more to the practical and physical needs of the church. Ministers or pastors feed the flock. And we all do those things together also. But that's just the different terms that we, that we use and kind of different responsibilities that each one has. And so it's our responsibility as a pastoral team to work together in these different capacities and to fulfill our responsibilities in shepherding the flock. And also, as you read in the New Testament about leaders, it's a localized plurality of leaders. It's more than one. Acts 14.23 says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church, elders, that was plural. It's not just one leader, but it's a plurality of leaders. It's a number of them. Verse 2 here in our text says, Feed the flock of God which is among you. And so it's a local body that we as a team are to focus on and that we are responsible for this local body of believers. It's not that we can't minister to other areas, but our focal point is the local body. That's the way it was ordained in the early church, that the elders focus on the local body. Yes, Paul went and Peter, they went out abroad, but they ordained elders for the local body. In 1 Timothy 3, there you can read the qualifications of overseers and deacons. And it makes it very clear in that passage. I'm not going to, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to read a few verses from there in the ESV. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And this here makes it very clear the qualifications of a pastor one who is trustworthy and, and one who is qualified. So I'm going to read this in the ESV. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, with, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, 
He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Those verses say a lot. Part of me doesn't even know how to expound on it. Because that's a, that's a lot. And at the same time, though, it's for all of us. Because we all are under the chief shepherd, and we all give account. And if you read there in that, in that same chapter, the next few verses also mention the qualifications of a deacon and mention many of the same things, and, and those things are, re, are repeated again, of someone that is trustworthy and someone that is capable and qualified. There was this pilot that they had, they had this layover, and so the, he had told the people on the plane that they could get off, they had plenty of time to, to get off and, and uh, move about because they wouldn't leave, be leaving for quite some time. And so he went, he, a lot of the people came off. He went to the, through the plane to see if anyone, was on, anyone else was on there. And he met, noticed this older fellow. He was a blind man, and he had his, his guide dog beside him. And so he asked him if he wants to get off the plane. The man said, no, he does not want to. But the pilot asked him if he, if he can do something for him. He said, sure, take my dog on a walk. And so the pilot saw this as an opportunity and thinking that he'll take the dog out in the terminal. And just for fun, he put on sun, some sunglasses. And he walks out in the, into the terminal. Now, can you imagine if you'd see your pilot coming with a guide dog? Uh, not too sure about that. They were starting to wonder, the people in the terminal saw this, and they were starting to wonder, is this man qualified? Is he able to do what he's called to do? And some of them even went to the desk and wanted to change their flight. Now, I don't know how the, well, the, the total outcome of that whole story, but the point is, it is, as leaders, it needs to be someone that is capable, someone that's trustworthy, someone that is able to do the job. An elder is a pastor that is to be trustworthy. And then also he mentions here, I noticed in this passage that I read, twice it comes up about this person being the husband of one wife. And I wonder, why does Paul say that? The husband of one wife. It doesn't say the wife of one man. So in a sense, it's fairly obvious that a leader is to be a man. The husband of one wife. God looks to men to be the spiritual leaders. Yes, the wife 
is also there to assist her husband and can be a blessing in many different ways and, as, and, and aspects of ministering in ways that a man cannot. So yes, a wife has her place also. But it is God-ordained that it is men leading in the church. The next thing we will look at is the pastor's role and responsibility. In verse 2, it makes it clear, it makes it obvious what a pastor is to do. It says, feed the flock. The word feed means shepherd. What does a shepherd look like? The command to shepherd the flock is, calls us to a familiar biblical picture. That God is the shepherd and his people are the flock. For us, it's, it's kind of unusual for us to, to see large flocks of sheep, let alone to know what is really involved in, in caring for them and shepherding. But shepherding was something that was familiar in the scripture. This was an everyday illustration for them. Psalm 23 gives us a beautiful, beautiful picture of what a shepherd does. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. So a shepherd leads. That's one of the things a shepherd does. There's four things that I want to notice what a shepherd does. And the first one is a shepherd leads. If you think about a shepherd with sheep, the shepherd is in charge of the path and the pace. You know, a shepherd was to take the sheep out there, and he's the one that would find the path and the, and the pace, basically the where's and the when. That's what a shepherd does. Where we are going and how fast we are going. So shepherds don't just lead, but shepherds also feed the sheep. Psalm 23, 3, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A shepherd feeds. And he makes sure that his sheep are well taken care of. Sheep that are hungry, they will not want to lie down. But a sheep that is hungry, they're going to go out and they're going to look for something to eat until they're filled. And we are like sheep. We'll do the same thing. Our souls are hungry if we're not looking to be fed by Jesus Christ. And we can go to all kinds of sources to be fed. We can go to social media, to various influencers or self-help books in order to find nourishment for our souls. But as pastors, we are responsible to make sure that the sheep are fed here at Mine Road and well-fed on the Word of God. That's our responsibility. We have the account of Jesus with Peter. It was after the resurrection and before his ascension when Peter asked, when Jesus asked Peter three times, he asked him, do you love me? And each time that, that uh, Peter responded, Jesus came back to him and he said, feed my sheep. The first time he said, feed my lambs. And it has the idea of tend my sheep. But the second and third time he said, feed my sheep. And Peter was getting a little frustrated with Jesus and what he was trying to accomplish. But Jesus was wanting him to get the picture of feeding the sheep. That is a shepherd's responsibility. 
And I recognize that as pastors, we cannot give you near enough of the spiritual bread that you need. You know, going to church once or twice a week is not all that you need for spiritual food. You need a lot more. And each one of you will have to take the responsibility and discern what you want to be fed with and what other sources you allow. Because what you take in will impact you. What you take in will impact you. It will impact the convictions that you grow or the convictions that erode because of negative and detrimental influence. So let's think about what we take in because it does impact us. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. A shepherd protects. Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A shepherd protects. Pastors have the responsibility to protect because a shepherd goes after the sheep that's hurting, that's wounded. And he corrects the sheep who cause trouble. And he goes after strays and brings them back into the fold. A shepherd is always alert and on guard and defends the flock from enemies and from temptations or anything that preys upon them. Acts 20 28 and 29, Paul is speaking to the elders there in Ephesus, and this is what he says. And think about this, and what, when, he, when, when this was written, this was the early church. Soon after the first church, the early church started. Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. This is the early church. And Paul was making them aware of the false doctrines or whatever it is they're going to face. He was making them aware of that. I said that a, that a shepherd leads, feeds, and protects. And the fourth thing is he cares. Psalm 23, 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. This is a picture of what a, how a shepherd cares. When a person is going through a hard or difficult time, whether it's physical or spiritual things, it's the shepherd's responsibility to care. Hebrews 13, 7 has some sobering words. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Isn't that sobering? As pastors, one day, we will stand before the chief shepherd and we will give an account for how we care for each member's soul. That is why we care. 
whether it's spiritually or physically. We desire to see that you're a part of the church, that you're plugged in and that you feel cared for. And the church is something that is valuable because that can bring stability and strength and can be beneficial in the growth in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not about what we as a pastoral can, team can accomplish, but, but I, I believe and I, I know I have the confidence that the others on the pastoral team desire to see spiritual growth in your life and thriving in your relationship with the Lord Jesus and building his kingdom. It's not about what we can accomplish, but it's about building God's kingdom and living out the way he wants us to live. Now looking at the third thing, the required motives of a pastor. Peter addresses this in verse 2 and 3. What should a pastor's motives be? Or you could say what kind of attitudes should he have about pastoring? About pastoring. As pastors, we're given the responsibility to, to take oversight over the flock of God. And it's, it's good for me to remind myself that you are the flock of God. It says that here in, this, in these verses. You are the flock of God. It's not our flock or my flock, but it's God's flock. And we are, as pastors, given oversight. Not overlords, but over, overseers, oversight. That's the responsibility we are given. And there are three things here that he mentions about the motives and what our attitude should be towards shepherding the flock. The first one is willingly. A pastor should do it willingly, not because he is forced to do it, but be willing to do it. This is something we are called to do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17, in the ESV it says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Paul is saying that he was called to the ministry. This was a calling that he had. In a sense, he had an obligation, but he didn't want to do it just because he was obligated to. He wanted to do it because it was God's will, and this was God's will that he does this. It was his call. It was a calling that God placed <clears throat> on his life, and he wanted to do it willingly. <clears throat> Number two, we're to do this with a ready mind. <clears throat> Or another word is eager. We're to do this eagerly, not for our gain, on our, not, not for any gain on our part, but to do this eagerly. Being a pastor is not about getting something from the church. It's about giving something to the church, doing it eagerly. And when I think of a person that, did it, that serves eagerly, I don't know, Raymond Burkholder came to mind. Uh, I think he preached here some time ago, I can't say when, but uh, this past winter when I was at SMBI, he was one of the teachers there. Raymond Burkholder is, is an older fellow, 
but he's a man that serves with passion and eager. He has taught um, in various places, I think in Igo, and so he's been in Asia and in many different parts of the world in teaching. But he's a man of, of eager and passion in what he does. Every day, he would get up every day, twice a day, he would always go eagerly to the platform and he'd always take his shoes off before he comes up on the platform. But he'd always get up there with just a lot of zeal. And so when I think of serving eagerly, I think of him. And I know that we're not all Raymond Burkholders. And so if I would start acting like him, you would wonder what happened to me. But uh, so we have our different uh, gifts that we have. Number three, being examples to the flock and not lording over God's people, not being domineering over those in your charge. We are called to lead by example. And we're again reminded that we are overseers of God's flock, God's people, God's flock. And God has entrusted you to the pastoral team here at Mine Road. And we're to be shepherds that serve willingly and eagerly and by example. So I, I need to remind myself and to remember that leadership is more a responsibility than a privilege. Yes, it can be a privilege, but it is more of a responsibility also. Leadership, whether in the church or home or wherever you might be in leadership, means that you're the one who God holds accountable for the direction of things under your care. And that's sobering for all of us. That should be sobering for each of you that you, are, you, will give, you will be accountable for those under your care. You will give account for that. And I consider it a tremendous blessing to be part of a church where there are men that have been part of the, ministry, of the pastoral team and have been faithful and have been an example of the things that I just mentioned. Men that have served willingly and eagerly and led by example. And so I thank you, John and Daniel and Alvin for being men who served willingly in this capacity for many years. And I'll admit and confess that I don't always do so well in these areas. And I'm also human and have weaknesses. And my flesh doesn't always want to do the things that God calls me to do. And so I need your prayers. And it's been good for me to look at these things and consider what God has placed, the calling that he has placed on us as pastors. I just want to briefly touch on verse 4, the reward for pastors. This is a fascinating verse to me, and, I'm not, and I don't consider to understand what it is saying here, or if, if I totally understand what it is saying. It says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. There's a reward for pastors. And I don't know exactly what the crown of glory is. And it could be in reference to salvation. And it could be in reference to a special reward for pastors. I'm not certain on that. But there is a reward nonetheless. The ultimate reward comes from the chief shepherd. And when he returns we will receive a reward. 
Recognizing that Jesus is the chief shepherd, again, reminds us that we are only, as pastors, we are only under shepherds, accountable to the chief shepherd. And the word appear here in this verse means made visible. You know, physically, we do not see Jesus, although he is present. But one day he will be made visible. And when he comes in glory and power to shepherd the nations with the rod of iron, and you can read of that in Revelation, he is going to appear. He is going to be made visible to all of us. And we all are accountable to the chief shepherd. Our motivation as pastors is not to receive the praise of men, but only to desire to hear those words on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. That's when we will share in his glory. Unlike earthly rewards which fade, that crown will last forever. And that goes for each one of you. And I, and I believe that each one of you will one day want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we all have a responsibility. I will touch briefly on the layperson's responsibility there in verse 5, because I will also preach about that late in the, the next message also. The layperson's responsibility. Likewise, ye, in verse 5 it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. This is your calling. This is what you're to do. He, he says here, submit yourselves unto the elder. Be subject unto them. It means you're to recognize your, your leadership. And they're in their position and to follow that as long as they are leading toward Christlikeness you are to follow them Paul said that about himself follow me as I follow Christ <clears throat> and so what does this look like Peter tells us to be clothed with humility it takes humility for all of us on the leadership team and as a layperson, it takes humility. The goal for all of us should be humility. And that includes being okay. Humility includes being okay with not getting your own way. And it includes believing your way isn't always the best way. Jesus was the perfect example of this. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you also, which was in Christ Jesus. He was willing to serve, not for himself, but for the good of others. And the reason that any one of us has been made right with God is because of the humility of Jesus Christ. He humbled himself to become a man, to become a servant. He was willing to do that. He went to the cross for you and me and made it possible. Or he made payment for our sins. So he is the perfect example of humility. And I want to say, ultimately, we look to the chief shepherd. Yes, as pastors, 
We are under shepherds, but ultimately we look to the chief shepherd. He is our perfect example. He's the good shepherd. And he showed us how to lead with humility and by example and what it means to be a true servant by giving his own life. And so as members of the body of Christ, it's a pleasure. It's, a, it's wonderful to know that as our shepherd, he is never off duty. He is always available. He is always in touch with us. And he is concerned about us. He is alert and he's faithful and gracious and loving. And he gave his life for us to make us members of his flock, of the little flock of God. Now, it's one thing to spell out a description. And it's quite another to consistently live up to it. But what I spoke about this morning, this is what God asks. This is what the Bible tells us, that we as pastors, what we need to be doing. And so I said again, this message is, can be more for myself, but also to make you aware of what is to be expected of a pastor. And so I want to be accountable to you. As a pastoral team, we want to be accountable to you in living up to God's word. And so we need encouragement. We need your prayers. And likewise, I recognize you need that also. Many of you serve in many different capacities here in the church and a tremendous blessing, more than what we as pastors can ever accomplish. And so I bless you in that. We need each other to make things function well. And we need the input of each other. We have all been gifted to serve in one way or another. The Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples has been given to all of us, not just to pastors. We can't do it alone. We are not meant to. But together we can make a difference. And so together may we strive to honor and serve the chief shepherd because one day we give account to him. And I bless you again. As lay people for your contribution to the church and the way you desire to serve the Lord. May we continue to do that. Let's kneel for prayer.